friends and welcome to another episode of Fresh Aesthetic, the show where we embark on the search for truth and meaning through creativity, art and pop culture. I'm your host Stephen Garson and I'm joined by my co-host and longtime friend Matt Goodat. In our last conversation we discussed attention to detail and the benefits and pitfalls of being finicky when creating. While this can be a strength in making exceptional art and products, it can also quickly burn through your time and other resources if not kept in check. It was a fun discussion and we tried to strike a good balance between those two paradigms. In today's episode, we continue on in the creative process by talking about writer's block. This can become so bad that it puts you off even sitting down to create in the first place. We discuss some of the philosophy behind why we get so stuck for ideas, but also talk through some tips to snapping out of it as well. I'm so glad you're here today. If you enjoy this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend and leaving a rating on Spotify or a review on Apple Podcasts. But enough of me talking and on to the episode. Let's hit it. So I thought it was fitting to start this episode by telling you that I have absolutely no idea what I'm going to say on this episode about writer's block. Yeah. What do we say? How do we start this? With writer's block, they say you're supposed to like write down a bunch of stuff and I haven't written down anything. I've got a blank page in front of me. So uh, this is going to be a great episode. A saying I learned from Pacifica culture is blank page. Yeah, well, I mean, the, I love how much this like kills my perfectionistic um, side of my personality of like having to have everything meticulously planned out. If yeah. Having this blank page of writer's block on the top of it in front of me is just great. I love it. I think writer's block is hugely based on personality as well. Like when I get writer's block, it doesn't worry me. But for some people who are very driven and very maybe more perfectionistic, it it really winds them up that they can't produce something. And I just am too lazy to care. (laughs) Yeah, well, it used to, I think it used to affect me more or like get to me more just thinking that, you know, the, the perfect situation has to arise where inspiration is dropped down from heaven and you just get this amazing song or or piece of poetry that comes to you Mm. um and the situation has to be just right for that to happen um i think now i I, especially in the season of of discussing our creative process you you realize there's there's a there's a lot of just nuts and bolts that you can do to make it happen yeah you know you can turn the tap on for yourself yeah i was thinking of (laughs) As I would, the analogy of like, uh, you know, when you get married (laughs) and it's like you just expect like intimacy and love to just work out and uh, uh, it takes, it actually takes effort to fall in love and to stay in love. Like marriage is work and I think creativity has the same partnership. You're absolutely right. Like in the naivete when you fall in love, with somebody or you're, you you know you've got this romanticized version of what love is and how marriage works you're 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 a hundred percent on the nose with that like you have to work for it mm. the hormones wear off the chemistry wears off you work for it and there's something really beautiful about that about working for something good that's right and i think being able to enjoy the play of in, enjoy the the play of work if that makes sense like you enjoy work it's it's a fun and you don't have to do everything overnight and you can 
um, just create steady progress over time to, uh, you know, talking about writer's block. And I think one of the things we can practice is perspective change. Um, and I saw a video on the gram the other day. It was just another, like, there's lots of videos like this, but I think you sent it to me actually. And it was a guy who's like getting dragged through the mud. <laughs> Did you send that to me? I don't know. Probably. <laughs> he's getting dragged through the mud and it's a picture of like, he's, he's holding a camera and getting this, Oh yes, I did send this to you. Yeah, I remember this. <laughs> He's getting this perspective of this guy walking. And then at the end, like so you're watching this and you're like, oh, it's gonna show the footage. And then it shows him and he's just taking a selfie of himself in the mud the whole time. <laughs> I was like, this what a plot twist. Yeah, that was really good, eh? So when you're experiencing writer's block, um, or maybe like the way you're talking, it seems like you don't necessarily experience it as much anymore or when you do you're able to just push through it because you have all the tools and the strategies for just meticulously working through your creative process and knowing that okay the tap isn't flowing right at the minute but if I just do xyz I know that the tap will start to flow with creative ideas so what do you do when you feel that that thing of just not being able to have access to all of the ideas that you normally have access to, you know, that, that moment where everything just seems to lock into place and the world makes sense. And you're like, man, everything is just perfectly ordained here. It's like, it's so good and it's so right. Mm. And even the mistakes make sense. But then you get to the times where you're like, I have nothing. I have a blank page. I have absolutely nothing to say. I have nothing to talk about, but something's required of you. Okay. Even getting back to the deadlines episode, something's Mm. expected of you. You have nothing. What do you do? Oh yeah. I heard um, the script, an Irish band. um, They said, you know, we released our first album and, uh, everybody loved it. And then they were like, oh, great, we need you to release the second one. And he's like, we spent our whole life preparing for the first album, our whole life writing this first album to release it. Now we've got six months to do a second album and it's got to be as good. You know, and he's like, and it's the truth. It's like, oh man, we just got to model things. Oh, we've got a creative process. We had time. And sometimes you don't have that. But um, I don't know if this is the eccentric answer, but... Um, I trust when I'm in a creative space, I have to go with it. And I don't, I think somebody would come along and counter this and it might be a personality thing. I don't know, but like I, uh, I'm running a book at the moment and I have these bursts of creativity, creativity, and I'll just, I'll have to do it then and there. So I will literally stop what I'm doing to go and write in that moment um, and then there's times when it's really dry and I'll turn on and I'll write something and it, it'll be okay. And then I'll go to bed. I'll wake up at two in the morning and boom, the creativity's there. I'm on my laptop at two in the morning. I, I have got zealous about capturing those moments because to me, it's like the stars have aligned. And if I don't grab it now, and, and what I found is when I ignore those moments, they come less frequently and they're harder to come by. So I just need to keep grabbing them. But the the downside is it creates chaos, emotional chaos in your life. And you become the typical, you know, uh, 
artist, the, the, the bipolar artist who doesn't sleep and, you know, drinks crack cocaine to, to, you know, keep an emotional high. Go- I don't know, like you just, but that's how I capture my creativity is when it's happening, I just go with it. I just live in that moment. And the more I seize those opportunities, the more they happen. I don't know if that's healthy though. Is that bad? I don't know. Like we just finished a movie, my wife and I, um, it's called At Eternity's Gate about Vincent van Gogh. Yes. I don't even know if that's how he you say He was crazy. Uh, it, yes, we found out in the movie. Like it's funny that the movies tell you these things, but um, <laughs> um, yeah, what a ride that was. There were so many cool little like filmmaker techniques used in that movie that were like, I don't mm. know if your average Joe watches that movie, they'll be like, this is so weird. Right. But there were some cool techniques. One of the ones I like the most is that when if we look at the world from Vincent's perspective, half of the frame, literally half of the, the camera shot is blurry. Whoa. There's a that is creative. There's a there's a, a there's a technique called tilt shift in photography where you make um like scenes seem smaller than they are, like seem really miniature because you you blur like the top and the bottom of the frame and it makes it look like the subject is really, really small, even if it's a really large perspective. And that's kind of the vibe that was coming across. And I don't know what, like what exactly the filmmakers were trying to get at with this, but what my takeaway was, um, was that Vincent's perspective was like half in this world and a half out of this world. Mm. It was just, so like at odds with all the world around him. So whenever we saw life through his eyes, we kind of got that picture through that half of the screen being blurry. It was- He's processing from another place almost. Yeah. It, and and that really came across. Like he was just so off from like what you would consider normal, quote unquote. How was he in like his public interactions? Very strange. Um, really? Just- any sort of normal social cues were just kind of strange. The opening shot, I'm pretty sure this was the opening shot, but he's like looking, he comes across this woman in a field um, and he asks to paint her and he's just very, very forceful about it. And we come back to this scene later in the movie and, um, I don't know. It's probably a spoiler, but maybe skip thirty seconds if you if you really want to watch spoiler. the movie. But he he gets taken to a mental asylum, and it's just it. I don't know. Like it doesn't end up very well for him. But he sees something in his head that's very creative. Mm. He he sees this beautiful picture or this painting in his head that he has to capture. Yeah. And the way that he goes about asking this woman if he can paint her is not really okay. Mm. And so we get this really half and half, you know, with the blurriness effect that I described, you get this weird sense of like, this guy is not fully at home in this world. So was he slightly like on on the spectrum, do you think, or? Potentially, I don't know enough about that to, to be able to commentate there. Mm. Um, but yeah, there was just something definitely not quite. 
So, but that's like that's the interesting thing. So he's a little bit strange, and creative people can tend to go that way. But I think I can relate to that, and I think most creative people can. Is there's this side of them that they can let loose, but they know if they let loose, it's not healthy. <laughs> it's not healthy. There's this sort of psycho. Do you remember watching Homeland and the girl on that? Um, I can't remember. I have not seen this. You haven't seen Homeland? No. Oh, it's great. And she's basically on this medication um, to, you know, keep her, I think she's bipolar or something. But when she gets manic, she she becomes her best self and her worst self all in one. And she solves the cases when she's in her manic state. But at the same time, she destroys her life and sometimes takes it too far. And so I'm like, this is the creative. This is the artist. There's this part of us that we feel so alive when we let it breathe. But it's just an unusual part of us. But coming back to the thing that the other thing theme that I mentioned earlier and came up in that as well is that perspective shift, which I think is a big thing, uh, a discipline to why I don't always feel writer's block is because I understand that seeing the same thing from another perspective creates tension and tension is the beginning of art. And so and it's beginning of creativity uh, to create some form of tension for the audience. And I think, uh, you know, that camera trick, seeing that guy dragged through the mud and then Vincent van Gogh, um, you know, see, seeing the world from a different perspective like seeing things from a different perspective is the the cure in a sense. It's not the one the one time bullet for writer's block, but I think practicing that regularly, like camera angles. How do I take the same picture from another angle? How do I um how do I do something so that nobody can guess what's going to happen next? How do I create um graphics that make people wonder if it's finished or not how do i write a book in a way that people wonder if i'm completely sane or not um that's the perspective shift you said the best or the worst of us Mm. all in one what do you think about that i think isn't that just how we should be just always showing the best and worst of us and we're probably just so used to actively suppressing the negative sides of ourselves that we're not used to even showing people the shadow. And yeah, maybe it seems so odd to, to be able to just show some sort of bad part of your personality. Like think about how hard it is to tell someone, oh, I'm really not that great at that. Right. Because we want to show the best of the best. And if we're not showing the best of the best, we think it's bad. Yes. And so that comes across in art because we think, oh, this isn't the best of the best of what I can do. And therefore I shouldn't release it because I'm so used to wanting people to like me. And the way that I get people to like me is to display the best of the best of who I am. Mm. So if I can't do that, then, then something's really wrong. So maybe I'll just do nothing. But really when it's the art that people connect to, I mean, this is a generalization, but the art that I connect to is when people show the shadow of humanity just as much as they show the really good sides. Yeah, that's great. I love that. 
And do, um, uh, Kanye West's album Donda. You remember Donda, the track Donda? That freaking blew my mind. I don't know what you thought of that track. Um, can you describe it for anybody who hasn't isn't familiar with it? If 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 you're not used <laughs> to just the weird side of artists, it's very strange. <laughs> but if you like are, are, are here for it, you know, like you know what, I'm here for it. I'm here for the whole human experience. Then it's great. That's it. It's it's that to me is the the unsuppressed side of the artist who is like, no, this is a good idea. <laughs> and everybody else is like, this is not a track. You cannot make this track. And it's basically Donda's the name of his, it's his mum, nickname for his mum or something. Um, or his name is mum. And it's just the word Donda repeated for about three minutes in different tonal variations. And I was, I was just like, I need to listen to this whole track. It's it's funny because you start listening to it like surely it doesn't go on like this, and then after a while you're like, "Why am I still listening to this?" And then by the end of it, you're like, "I listened to that whole like two or so minutes of it." Donda, 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 Donda. You know, and I'm like, man, but that's the creativity. This is what I'm trying to explain. Like, we're afraid to make that because we're like, that's bad. No. Um, I don't know. Do, what I loved about that track was the fact that he'd made it. The fact that he was like, I am crazy and I am going to do something that only I can do. And everybody else is like, you nuts. I'm like, I freaking, that's the attractive part to me of like, I want to create stuff that makes people go, you can't do that. Okay. Here's a, here's a, a pretty generic thing that most musical artists go through, right? You release an album, people love it, they thrash it, they really become a fan of your work off that album. And then as an artist, you're like, flip, how do I follow this up? Mm. How? What do I do? How do I release something that keeps that momentum going? Do I just do more of the same? But part of you dies at the thought of doing more of the same because you're like, I've grown since then. I've moved on. It's not me anymore. I want to do something new. I want to I want to mix it up. I don't have to just do what the people want. I don't have to be a machine. I want to keep evolving and growing with the times. And I, you, you, you hear what I'm saying? And so, but do you think that is because that's where the record companies come in and go, no, we we can't do that. But the people who do that are the most fascinating people. Yeah. Well, they're the true artists because the, right. the record companies just want to make the money. Right. And it's fine. I mean, they have to, they have to live, they have to get by, but like any human, it can grow into this festering disease of just wanting more and more and more money, no matter what happens. Yeah. But they, they do, they just want to make, they want it to be profitable. And they're like, if you do this, there's a high chance that your fans aren't going to like it and it's not going to be profitable. Yeah. But, and there's so many examples of this, there uh, musical artists doing this and having an, a second or third or fourth album that just fans go, what in the world is this? Right. And I'll just give one example, but there's um, Lord, right? Lord broke out on the scene with this crazy thing that people hadn't seen before. She was dancing like this 
<laughs> no judgment to Lord. I, I love that she's this free spirit who just does what she wants to do. Fantastic. There is no judgment to her here. Yeah. Um, but she broke out onto the scene with this crazy dancing style that people were just like, what is this? And it would, nothing was like it when it came out. Um, when, when was this? Oh, I can't remember when she first broke onto the scene. Oh, but- like when she first started, you mean? Yeah, well, she just exploded because, especially for New Zealand music, like mm. we used to reggae. That's yeah. that's our big sound, and she came on the scene and she was doing something completely, uh, just so different from that. And then for her follow-up albums, there's this big pressure to just do more of the same and to keep turning that tap on yeah. of like, this is the character Lord that I've created. I need right, to just persona. Re- yeah. I need to just redo this because this worked. And that's what, like you think of movies like, okay, we, we make pirates of the Caribbean. That was a humongous success. It was a great movie. Um, Johnny Depp was amazing. Uh, let's just forget about Johnny Depp, Amber Heard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just pretend that doesn't exist. Yeah. He was incredible in that movie. It was like nothing that people had seen. It was the most crazy story that just kept throwing twists and turns at you at every mm. corner. And then arguably those movies got progressively worse with every release. Wait, it's almost like this is never ending. That's what it felt like. Yeah. And it was just more of the same. They were just Mm. trying to recreate the same magic that they had with the first one. Right. Instead of taking the story to the next level. Yeah. And I mean, people bought it. They went to the cinemas because they're like, the first movie was so good that like, we're just going to keep, of course we're going to keep coming back. It was, it was a great setup that you made. Um, So what, what um, movies or TV series do you think, have modelled being able to shake that and take things to the next level. To actually be able to build upon a really popular initial release and make it even better and better. Yeah, or just being able to go like, hey, this is what, like, this is working. Let's not keep manufacturing this. Let's actually tell the full story and go to the next level. Yeah, well, I mean, um, there were some that, uh, like, it's hard to think of examples off the top of my head, but um, Prison Break was was mm. excellent right up until I can't remember if it was season six or seven where it, it sort of started to get really, uh, just not as, not as poignant. It, yeah. Um, breaking bad. Far oh out. yeah. That was good. What a revelation. It, and it set the stage, man. Oh. It, it like paved the way for the golden age of TV. You know, it's funny. He, the director said he's like, I thought there was nothing out there on the market uh, like in the in, in this industry telling this story. And then I found out later that there was a, another TV show. I think it was called, um, I can't remember what it's called, but that proves the point that we don't remember that show, but we remember Breaking Bad. <laughs> like Breaking Bad set the, the tone of like, what a storyline. Yeah. And Game of Thrones, like I have, a, have not seen that show, but um, the reviews all say that, brilliant brilliant writing like absolutely groundbreaking for its for what it did um right up until what was it season six or seven who knows um where the reviews were just like 
you wrecked this. Right. Yeah, undeniably great groundbreaking TV. Going back a few steps, you're talking about Lord, you're talking about the music industry, the need to repeat, the not advancing. Um, how do you think that, how do you break free from that? Well, it's people's expectations, right? Expectations destroy creativity mm. because you've put out this thing that people love and then there's an expectation on you to just keep doing more of that. And tell me that doesn't lead to burnout, right? <laughs> people just wanting oh, more yep. of the same that you're like, I, I, you feel the weight of that on you to just keep doing what it was, whatever it was that they loved. Yeah. And that's the, the, the loss of tension as well. Yeah, because you're just like, well, I know the formula of that. I could just keep keep creating that and doing that forever. It's like, did you watch The Good Place? Absolutely, yeah. I felt like season three was touch and go. Season three was the last season, eh? I'm pretty sure. Um, or whatever it was, the last season. It was touch and go for me with, oh, this is getting repetitive. But then they tied it up in such a great way um, with basically death. Yeah. Like death was the death was now perceived as a gift rather than being a curse. And it's like, whoa, what a twist. But um it created brought the tension back in, it brought meaning. But uh the for a moment now is like you're using all the same jokes, using all the same quirky things, like there's got to be more than this to this story. Yeah, because season one was just mind blowing how how out of the box it was. It was like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> it was so funny and so creative and so, I don't know, it just touched on something that we all needed to hear. And, and, and isn't that what good art is? It's just right at that time, mm. society by and large needs to hear something that is almost a parody. It's, it's almost a a narration of the of the popular culture that's happening right then and there. So release a eh? like ah oh. yeah, it's like somebody's put into words what we're all going through. Yeah, and it came out like um, just before all the pandemic stuff, and the real message of that was the philosophy of, uh, from what I gathered from it, of like what is life about and and what does it mean to live a altruistic or a, a life bigger than yourself, you know? And then boom, we're in the middle of a pandemic and, and we, we need that sense more than ever. So yeah, I agree that. And I, I think it's, I, the more I look at things that succeed, I'm like, they're just so lucky. They're just so lucky. Like they could not have planned the timing of so much things that was so relevant when they came out, they were just like, taking a shot at something and it it just hit the nerve of where society was and people were like i need to hear that um so all that said writer's block i mean i'm what i'm gathering from this is um you know what i said about tension uh, keeping tension, what you said about not having the expectations about being able to not be repetitive um, seeing things from different perspectives, but I'm curious how you, what your relationship with writer's block is now that we've discussed all that 
uh, do you get it much? <laughs> yeah, um, definitely, definitely get creativity blanks. Open a blank document in Photoshop. Just have no idea what to do. Always looking at other people's work to help to break that. Right. And that seems to be oh, a, yeah. a good fast tracking option for just, I'm like, well, I'm going to steal off other people anyway, just probably subconsciously. Why don't I do it consciously? Dude. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then there's this, there was a cool quote from that movie I mentioned before at, at Eternity's Gate about Vincent Van Gogh's life. Um, he said, I'm, a, or something along these lines, I'm a painter just for people who haven't been born yet. Whoa. Because people, like, throughout the movie, no one appreciated his artwork. Wow. No one understood it. No one no one had a clue. They just thought it was bad. They were like, dude, this technique you're using just looks like you're slabbing way too much paint on this canvas. Mm. It looks like you're working with clay rather than paint. Like, what are you doing? Like, no one's using that technique right now. Yeah. And so he was very, very under underappreciated. And so were heaps of these, like even classical musicians that we look up to these days as the the gods of music is like, dude, these guys weren't that popular in the day. Mm-hmm. Some of them were, but some of them just were nobodies. Or, yeah. or they were just as average as an artist today. Yeah. Working away, trying to make a living. Some of the ones who did well were actually just supported by other people. Right. You know, other people paid for their living expenses, their general bills. Yeah. It's kind of humbling to think about these ones we look up to, mm. you know, the Mozarts and the Van Goghs that, that are just, they're just people. Just humans. Yeah. And and they had the courage to follow that, um, that, insane like you talked about the the cra- the crazy imbalanced life that they were like no I'm not giving in which blew me away when I was watching the movie because I'm like man like I don't know like the fact that this this paint this famous painter that we adore so much today for a starry night and all of his other famous paintings when he was painting nobody cared like literally nobody cared oh they were like, yeah, it's, or they even actively said like, like the person who was counseling him when he was in his uh, mental asylum was like awkwardly beating around the bush going like, dude, this is not good art. Yeah. This is, yeah. he's <laughs> like, he's like, oh, you were, you, you think you were made by God to paint? Like, Whoa. and he's, he's showing him a painting while he's telling him this. He's showing him one of his paintings going, I don't want to be mean, but this isn't that good. So was fine art the main thing at that time? Yeah, it was huge. Right. Painting was everything. And yeah, I mean, you look at the Renaissance with, with the, the buildings and whatnot. You walk through um, some of the really prominent buildings in, say, France. Is paintings everywhere. Yeah. Like I've wa- had the privilege of walking through some of these buildings. There's paintings on the ceiling. There's painting on the walls. Mm. It's everything to their culture. Right. So it's a big deal at the time. Very big deal. Like Ponzi music and Ponzi paintings was 
That was that was the big He one comes along with a thick paintbrush. He was doing things way different. Well, that's that's interesting. But this is the trap that we fall into. It's like, oh, well, he's doing things different. So no, I need to do things different. <laughs> and that, that's the, the the trap. It's like, well, well, that's what I'm getting from it is the freedom to just be and do what I, I get it when I'm doing poetry, which I don't do very much. But every now and then I'll write poetry. And the other thing that happens to me is I get these premonitions and I never share them because I, I don't really understand a framework for them but i'll get these premonitions of like just um almost seeing society seeing the world events or seeing something just from this completely other perspective and i'll write them in a poem or something and when i'm writing them it feels so lucid and so uh detached that i don't share them with people because I'm like, this is weird. You know what I mean? But I'm just writing stuff that's so, it's like, I don't want to say I'm in a trance because I don't think that's right, but I'm in this creative zone of just experimentation where the experimenting is just extreme and I don't care because nobody's looking. And I think, you know, when you're doing, I don't know if you've ever done acting classes, but in acting classes, they get you to walk around the room like you're in water and it's like at first it's everybody's like, oh, this is freaking awkward. It's all weird. You're all but after a while you start getting into it and you're like, ooh, like I'm gonna pretend that I'm walking in jelly. And now you're gonna pretend you're walking through bricks. And the whole exercise is just to let you be comfortable with movement. And I think that's a key. I mean, I'm I'm thinking this as I'm saying it, but I think that's a key to writer's block as well, is being comfortable with movement in yourself. What do you think? I think so. Um, I mean, we're all so disembodied from ourselves that we have no idea what it means to be in touch with our emotions, with our body, with, with any of that stuff. It's been actively repressed. Um, and man, like I, I had that at a, at a school I went to where we did some crazy activations like that, where you'd, yeah. you'd wander around and like do these crazy dances and you had to imagine yourself as a plant and all, all these yeah, things yeah. that people would find strange. And it was honestly, it's just getting you back in touch with movement, with the feeling of being in your body. Mm. Um, but it's crazy how how much we're disembodied in Western culture. We're just like so that seems shameful. Yeah. Like a really good friend of mine was ashamed of crying. Whoa. And I'm he's like, I'm ashamed of this, but I cried when I felt sick. And I was like, there's nothing to be ashamed of. <laughs> no. It's it's a natural part of being alive is is your emotions and your body and the way that you are and your humanity. It's very, very natural. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I keep coming back to this, to this movie, but I don't know. I it's can't the theme of the show, this movie. I can't, watch it now. I can't stop thinking about it. Um, it's just creating for the sake of it. We've cut, we've talked about this before. Right, where you, you're not making for getting applause. You're not making for 
being approved by people. Mm. Like as much as we say we don't, we, you know, I, I'm not. I'm not worried about what people think. We're all worried about what people think. Yeah. Like if we say we're not, we're just lying. We 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 care. We care what people think. But when you create for the sake of it, it really breaks down some of these things, and you you can just put it out into the world without the angst of caring. And like, cause I, I, I was so blown away by the fact that Vincent van Gogh was able to make these paintings, even though people were actively saying that's bad work. And what they're really saying is that doesn't fit in with the trends of this time that we're living in right now. Right. The trends or what the critical mass is telling us that works in this present moment. Yeah. Your paintings don't fit into this, so therefore they're not good. Do you think that's a, a source then? I'm thinking out loud as I'm saying it's like when we're talking about writer's block, do you think it's because we're trying to create something for somebody else instead of feeling the true the true self? Quite possibly. Hmm. Um, and, and, okay, that doesn't get aside from the fact that sometimes having a blank page in front of you is just so hard. And it's so hard to just sit down and make things. And this is a thing we've been wrestling with this entire season is that blank page that so often sits in front of us. And we're like, how do we overcome this? How do we just come up with something? But um, I I don't even know if I have any answers. I want to put it to you as well. Mm. What do you do when when you are struck with this thing of just like, I have no idea how to like articulate what I'm feeling right now. I have no, maybe we're just so disconnected with how we feel all Mm. the time that we don't, we aren't able to self reflect and put into words or put into painting or put into music or poetry, how we're feeling in the moment. Maybe that's what writer's block is. We don't know how to move past that um, moment we're in, if you know what I mean. I'm thinking about doing, because I think activations are good. Activations are things that we can do to practically move us to process things. But um, and they're weird. But I thought I'd try one now. But I don't know if it's going to come across well on the podcast. Should we do it? Just give it a go because we're doing the loosey goosey, and I think that's what we need to become. So, like when I'm stuck, sometimes what I'll do um, is I'll just repeat a, fr- a phrase over and over just because it sounds weird. And so I'm going to try that. We're going to go with blueberry today because I think that's a funny word, all right? So I'm going to give you an example. I'll be sitting down to write my book and I'll be like, what do I say? How do I make it good? And I'll just put blueberry, 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 berry, blue, blueberry, 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 berry, berry, blue. What a freaking laugh! 
I'm set free because it was so freaking weird. You know what I mean? Do you get what I'm trying to do? Yeah, you're set free from the expectation that you have to seriously sit down and wow. be dropped this, this... You've got it. This tangible gift from the heavens when it's all just such a laugh. It's such ridiculousness. Like, yeah. it is the act of being free from your own expectations to make good stuff. I mean, in all artists, is just trying to put words to this crazy experience that we're all in, where we're floating through space time on this ginormous rock mm. that's just orbiting around the sun, going like, what in the world is going on? And we're just trying to make art that helps people remember that. I, you know, the um, Banksy, I love, I think this is beautiful where Banksy uh, auctions off this picture. And somebody buys it and there's a there's a shredder built into the picture. And as soon as they win the auction, it just shreds the picture. And it's like, it was like the ultimate statement to like, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. Why would, and then it went up in value because it was Banksy had shredded this picture and it got great publicity. But it's like, this is, this is it. Why are we taking art so seriously? Why are we taking everything we do so seriously? And it, maybe that's a contributing factor to writer's block. And we just need some, we need some way of getting past and over ourselves and the seriousness we take everything. And that's so good about how we can't blueberry. <laughs> we, we can't necessarily predict what's going to monetize art. And you see this with viral videos about how advertisers want to really desperately tap into what's going to be the next viral video. But it's mm. always something so random that actually becomes viral. I don't know. This just speaks to some sort of spark of human life that maybe AI will never be able to tap into. Who knows? Is that... I don't know. I don't even know necessarily what I'm trying to say here. It's just that... There's something so special about human awareness and what it means to be alive that we're trying to we're trying to talk about with our art. That's all we're trying to do. We're trying to articulate what it means to be alive here on planet Earth in this time that we're living in. Hmm. And it's tough. Like what even is it about the starry night that makes it popular? Like, why do people resonate with it? And some people will resonate with it now just because it's been so prolifically shared. Well, that's the thing. It's like, oh, now this is in trend, so now I need to like this. And that's right. And, and you're considered really, like, prestigious because you like it. You're like, oh, you like Mozart. You like mm. really cultured music. Like, what is it about Mozart more than hip-hop that is cultured? Wow, yeah, wow. Like, why? Why is that considered the high class? And that's like, like, I'm buying art for my house at the moment, so I'm getting lots of prints offline. And uh, Lee hates some of them. Lee hates some of them. I think they're great. But um, when I'm buying my art, it has to mean something to me. And I'm very cautious of buying stuff. I'm very cautious of buying stuff that's in trend that doesn't mean something, but just makes a good placeholder. Like three daisies on a wall. Ah, <laughs> oh, those daisies kill me. <laughs> those daisies. 
Oh man. It's like the ultimate, like we need some color in here. Can we get something online? <laughs> oh, those were, t- oh, I just did not like those paintings. Art is subjective people. Okay. So wrapping up, rounding out the episode. If we are taking our blank canvas, like we did today, like I had a Mm. page today that was just literally just said writer's block at the top of it. And we just pushed record feeling super underprepared. How do you take a blank page and try and articulate meaning of what it means to be alive in this day, this present moment to other people? What do you do if you're experiencing that? What do you do? I like how you have nothing. Like it's like <laughs> I, I, I feel like the whole thing's been said. I feel like we said everything we needed to say. I was going to actually just say blueberry, blueberry. But, uh, maybe you should call this episode Donda or Blueberry. I basically just ripped off Kanye with another word. Um, I love that. I think everything's been said. I think sometimes you just pick things up, and hopefully, people have picked things up in this conversation, and they feel that permission to not be not be so serious and in, in writer's block, just allow, you know, the, their eccentric side to, to shine and, and allow the different perspective, the detachment Van Gogh's blur. Yeah. If I'm, if I'm making something, I sometimes just allow the crap to come first and just be like, I just get my hand writing on the page, even if it's something I don't, I think is lame or I don't care about if I'm in logical garage band, just to be practical, I just, you know, put in a, a drummer track, make a beat, make a beat. That's just generic just to get started. Find just something, I, a sound I like, mm. uh, a phrase I like a word that sticks out to me. I'm just trying to find practical things. If you really are, struggling to just get some sort of momentum. And that's the thing is like sometimes, first of all, getting started is the hard thing, getting past that first brush stroke. Um, And then after that, it's like not judging as you're going, not fully getting into editing mode and going, that's terrible, that's terrible, I hate that, I hate that. It's just letting it flow through you and just going like, you know what, I'm just gonna write. I know some of this is objectively not good, but I'm going to keep writing. Do you have any other final thoughts to share? No. Blueberry, Donda, write what you have in your... Van Gogh. Van Gogh. Corner people in a field and ask to paint them. (laughs) 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 Just... (laughs) That's your activation for the week. Uh, let's end it there people what a great way to end alright thanks for listening love you all thanks so much for listening everybody what a fun episode that was I really enjoyed pulling apart our tendency as humans to take everything we do so seriously and how we get sucked in by our own press this was such a fun way to poke fun at that and offer some light relief to the angsty feeling of needing to hustle and create a certain quota of material each week. If you'd like to support the show, head over to our Instagram page and give it a like and a follow. And if this episode helped you, then consider sharing it with a friend. All right, I'll see you all on the next one. Keep it fresh.